My name is Haley Winter. You are listening to How's the Pressure, my podcast about what happens behind the scenes in the massage world. Welcome. Today I'm talking to Katie Sutherland. She's a successful massage therapist who focuses primarily on prenatal bodywork. And I like talking sometimes to people within specialities because there are, are modalities and specialities within the field of bodywork uh, that I think often hold a lot of misunderstandings or confusion or even flat out untruths about the particular modality. And I wanted to dive into the world of prenatal massage today and uh, see what I could find with regards to that. So here you go, my conversation with Katie Sutherland. All right. So today we have with us Katie Sutherland. Welcome, Katie. Welcome. So uh, I wanted to bring you in to talk about prenatal work because it's a, a modality that's really important. Now, as a prenatal therapist, what are like the most common misconceptions that you're confronted with or that you see on a daily basis with regards to prenatal work? I think the biggest one that I see that clients come in with are, I went to a spa and they wouldn't massage my feet or my shoulders or the spot on my neck, uh, a spot on my back. What is with these pressure points that can apparently put me into labor. They always ask that. And in my experience, I've worked on probably hundreds of pregnant women at this point, and these pressure points do exist in the body in the Eastern system of healing. They do correspond to points that could stimulate the uterus. However, Something like acupuncture, which is a more focused and potent form of Chinese medicine, still can't always trigger the uterus to contract and begin labor. And that's even when you're trying to do it. And that's when you're trying to do it. So I think that there's become an atmosphere of concern and trepidation with prenatal clients and their bodies and, oh gosh, what could you do to affect their pregnancy negatively that it's become, don't touch these points. Don't even touch the areas of the body where these points are. And that's just a ridiculous approach to body work. And I think we should be clear also that on the Western side of things like there's no evidence no there's no foundation for this for these claims that these points are endangerment sites yes that's correct yes there are things you do need to know and learn about how women's bodies are when they are pregnant there are areas areas of the body that you want to approach with caution because they can be more sensitive if they have varicose veins you want to work more lightly in certain areas But there's nothing that you can't touch. And it always makes me so sad when a mom, especially a working mom who's at a computer all the time, comes in and says, I got the worst prenatal massage. They wouldn't even touch my shoulders. 
and that's what they need is a good shoulder rub. Don't we all? Yeah. But them specifically. But them specifically. Yeah. So, um, the other misconception about prenatal massage from the therapist side of things is that you can somehow harm them or trigger an early labor or a miscarriage by the way that you're working with people. And if you have trained in prenatal massage, you know what areas to work with cautiously, you should feel 100% confident, comfortable, and safe with a pregnant woman. Pregnancy is a natural part of the human experience. And although it's a unique time in a woman's life, it is not an unhealthy or medically dangerous time. So, and if your client is having a healthy pregnancy, there's no reason to be afraid of working on them. I've also heard um, people worried about getting massage in the first trimester. Yeah, that's another one that comes up a lot in spas. They've pretty much across the board taken to saying we will not massage women in the first trimester trimester of pregnancy and that is a fear of triggering a uh, miscarriage or somehow a placental abruption um and do you find these fears groundless i can't and have not found any evidence that there's any actual basis in reality that that could happen um from a massage, particularly if women are active, they receive massage all the time in their normal lives. Again, you know the points not to work too hard on, but you don't have to be afraid of working on a woman in the first trimester. If they're incredibly nauseated and feel terrible, they probably shouldn't be getting a massage because they should probably just be relaxing and resting. But if it doesn't, if they want a massage and they think it would feel good, it will probably feel good. And it's very low risk, if any. And so why do you think spas are adopting that policy? Are they afraid of litigation? Yes. Interesting. And so what would you say to someone who says, well, if the spas aren't doing it, they're afraid of litigation. Why should I do it and open myself up to it? That's a good question. I think what makes me comfortable is, first of all, that I've done it for 13 years and I haven't had anyone report back any adverse or bad effects for, from any massage that I've given. So your so personal, it's my own personal experience. Your personal anecdotal experience. My personal anecdotal experience, but then in trying to find evidence... Um, You know, I've done a lot of research and try to stay up with the current um, studies and trends in our field. And I haven't ever found any, there's no studies that correlate miscarriage and prenatal massage. So I'm not sure. I think that spas are definitely overly cautious and also sometimes have therapists that aren't trained as well. I also would think that there is an element to which 
you as an individual practitioner, like you have control over individual situations and the interaction with the client. Whereas if you're a spa, you're relying on your employees, which you don't have the ability to micromanage in the way that you have to be able to, ability to micromanage yourself. So they open themselves up to litigation and they don't trust their employees implicitly, whereas you trust yourself implicitly. Correct. Correct. Right. And what about, what's like the biggest benefit you've noticed uh, for your clients in prenatal massage? I can think of two. One on the physiological level is your body is undergoing so many changes and oftentimes it's the first time in a woman's life that she's felt like her body is more sore, more tired, more achy than usual. And so the biggest benefit that people reflect to me is just having that feeling after receiving a massage of their muscles feeling loose, feeling alive, feeling like they have more facility with their movement. It's easier to stand up straight. It's easier to move around and be active the way that they're used to. The second benefit that I see is that, and this goes for all massage across the board, is that getting a massage laying down, the act of touch, receiving touch helps to drop you into your parasympathetic nervous system where your body can rest and restore. It helps reduce anxiety. It helps relax you. It can induce a deeper sleep at night. And so the benefit of coming in and getting a massage, taking a break from your life, makes not only your body feel more like it does normally, but also gives you that relaxation. And the more you can relax, the healthier your pregnancy is going to be. Stress is the number one cause to many, many pregnancy symptoms and problems. You mean it exacerbates? Exacerbates, exactly. Exacerbates a lot of the symptoms of pregnancy. And so what's challenging about it as a modality from the therapist's point of view? I think the biggest challenge with your client on the table is positioning. You just have to be flexible with how people want to lay, with how the draping is. It can be one client or many clients like it this one way and then another client comes in and she can't lay that way. So you have to be very flexible with lots of pillows and bolsters and trying new ways and just figuring out um, how to make your client as comfortable and relaxed as possible to receive the massage and not being attached to the way that they need to lay to be that way. Uh, The second challenge uh, from a business perspective is scheduling and cancellations. You have to adopt a more flexible cancellation policy around, I usually say within the 37 week to 42 week window. And I educate my clients as they're coming that when we get to that point, we'll need to be checking in more about whether they're going to be able to make their appointments. uh, If they are thinking they might go into labor to cancel as soon as they know, 
tell other people in their family that they have these appointments so that they can cancel so they don't have to worry about during it during labor. Right. That makes sense to have like, they, I mean, I'm sure they have their backups and their, their people that are responsible for helping them with their scheduling and right. their various activities. Exactly. But you just have to be more flexible. It's not like a normal client who's like, oh, I just couldn't make it, like couldn't get out of work. Right. I mean, from the business perspective, I also think that it makes sense to me that they're they're pregnant only for a short period of time. So if you're a prenatal therapist, you may only have them for eight, seven, six months before they become not pregnant anymore, and then you have to you have a little bit of turnover. So you have to market more. You have to be reaching out more in terms of gaining clients. Yes, that is the other thing. If you want to practice prenatal massage, I strongly suggest positioning yourself as a prenatal therapist, connecting with other perinatal experts in the field, whether that means working and connecting with midwives, uh, hospitals, nurses, lactation consultants, uh, doulas. You want to connect with a wide range of people who serve the prenatal population so that you can maximize the amount of clients that can flow to you. And when you get that flow going and people know you and your schedule and you've met, then your business can flow. As you know, women give birth, other women come in. And also, once you're established, a lot of those moms, you know, maybe their friend is due in six months and so they have their baby the friend starts coming and so you know that starts happening in a really lovely way but it does take some extra marketing and effort to get those initial clients and be established as a prenatal therapist yeah i can imagine also that women who are pregnant are often going to birthing classes they're going to labor classes they are connected to other women Pregnant women talk and share a lot. With each other. Yes, a lot. So if you get in good with one, yep, you have an opportunity to oh, reach yeah. many. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Very good. So now I'd like to go to a couple questions from our listeners. Uh, our first one's from Maria. Uh, she is from Pleasanton, California. She says, I'm a new therapist, just getting out of school a few months ago with my California certification. And I want to go into private practice working with pregnant women. What is the best or easiest way to get started and grow my practice? What do you think? Well, Maria, I, like I was just saying, actually, the best way to grow your practice as a prenatal therapist is to connect with other perinatal providers. So that can be perinatal psychotherapists, perinatal midwives, perinatal uh, doulas, anyone who works in the perinatal field that has access to clients. You can even check uh, check in with the OBGYN practices in your uh, area and see if they list um, resources like massage therapists. The other thing I could suggest is considering doing mobile prenatal massage because uh, as women get bigger, it's just harder for them to get out and about. 
Um, the other thing that you can couple nicely with a prenatal uh, mobile massage is postnatal massage. So in my practice, I don't do a lot of out calls anymore, but I will do out calls for women in the first month following their birth if they're unable to travel. Um, it's a really sweet time. It's a wonderful time to receive a massage and they are the most appreciative clients. You do have to be a little flexible about your timing because... And maybe your work environment too. Yes. if they're new moms, they may have to be nursing or they may have to... Exactly. You have to be more flexible. So you have to be... Maybe they need to take a break to nurse or maybe the baby is crying and you need to wait, you know, a little while before you can. So I suggest giving yourself a lot of spaciousness with how you... Uh, book those and see if it works for your life and yeah I think that the idea of going mobile with it is is a a really good one when you're starting out because Mm -hmm. one you have the time and the flexibility in your schedule right if you're trying to build a practice you supposedly have time to build that practice in Um, if you're not seeing clients you have time to go travel to meet new clients and that's a fantastic benefit for the client they don't have to necessarily come see you and they can be in the comfort of their home. And especially, as you said, if they get bigger and bigger, they may not want to travel as much. Yeah. The other thing is with the mobile, you typically are not paying rent anywhere. So it's a low uh, investment up front. Mm-hmm. For, low overhead. Yeah, low, low overhead to begin your practice. I do recommend taking on at least like one day or two days a week at an office so that you're getting people in the habit of coming to you. Because otherwise, you might get tired of taking your table around everywhere and get tired of the mobile thing. And then if people aren't used to you right. doing that. So I, I like offering both, both options. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could even have one or two days at an office yep. and offer three days of travel. Of travel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they, and maybe offer a slight discount if they come see you in the office. That's what I always did. Right. It was I a mean, travel fee. It incentivizes them to come see you in the mm-hmm. office. But if they really want the luxury of seeing you in their home, then they pay a little extra and you get paid more for lugging around all the pillows. and Exactly. The other thing to build a prenatal practice is to come up with a good package deal because every pregnant woman, woman, wants more prenatal massage. So the more you can, uh, give them an incentive to keep coming back with a great package, the more they're going to want to, um, come and, you know, they're going to tell their friends and then you're working more, you're getting more cash flow. And I just, a thought just occurred to me, what if you were to sell a package and, uh, the package would be just a just a slight discount, yeah. But it would come with a free massage for her partner. Oh, yeah, that's a great because idea. Because I know in my in my experience, right. I've massaged a number of pregnant women, and every single one of them has said, "This is awesome." You know who really needs this is my husband right. or my partner, right? Because they're going through their 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 responsibilities have doubled as mm-hmm. I've kind of been able to do less and less, they've had to do more and more. Right. And so I often get people come in and I get the partner as well as the, the person. So yeah, offering that that's happened. That happens with me a lot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that might be another idea is to, to offer that free session to the partner as like a, like a carrot. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is if you're doing mobile, I always give a, a discount if they book more than one session at the house at once. So, you know, if there's two or three people getting a massage, then I usually give them a better rate. So that's another incentive because it's less work for you to set up your table and drive around. And, you know, if they can get themselves and a friend or themselves and and their husband, it's a win for everyone. That's interesting. Maybe you just give them the office rate if you travel and you're doing two sessions. Yeah. A little bit of a discount there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, our next question is from Shira in Berkeley. Uh, she says, I have a growing practice and occasionally one of my clients gets pregnant and I still give them massage. I have taken prenatal classes and I feel comfortable working on pregnant women, but what percentage of my practice has to be prenatal before I can call myself a prenatal therapist? Well, I would say, Shira, that you're already a prenatal therapist based on (laughs) what you've told us. Um, No percentage of your practice has to be prenatal. You just have to have the desire and do it and the education to know what you're doing, which it sounds like you have both. And yeah, you're ready. Go for it. Yeah, I think this it brings up an interesting point about um, how we identify ourselves as therapists. You know, yes. some people acquire a number of different modalities and they struggle to figure out which one they should market themselves as. And some of us are so new to a certain modality and we're entrenched in another one. So we, we, are, we feel really confident in our deep tissue, but we haven't really done prenatal and I want to do more prenatal. Can I call myself a prenatal therapist, even though I'm, I think of myself as much better at deep tissue? Right. And I would say, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, you don't have to even have a prenatal client to be a prenatal therapist, as long as you have a desire to help them and the education to do so. Right. Exactly. Well, and I also think if are calling yourself a prenatal therapist, then you want to be attracting prenatal clients. Don't put on your business card a modality that you don't want to do. Don't call yourself like a lymph drainage person. If you do not want to do, you may know how to do it. I know how to do lymphatic massage. I know a bunch of different techniques. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't put that on my card. Yeah. I can do it, but you really need to be careful about who are the clients you want to work with. What about your education helps you serve them and how you want to be working with them? I think that's the most important thing to clarify. We're very fortunate in this field to be able to really hone exactly the population, the people, the issues they have that we want to support them. And maybe I'm reading into this uh, this question a little too much, but to me there could be a little bit of insecurity in the not having enough practice right. with it to not feel like they can qualify themselves as right. a prenatal therapist. And if that is the case, if you're, if you don't feel like you have the, the skill yet, mm-hmm. like you have the knowledge, you have the education, but you don't have the skill. Mm-hmm. Then I think that's something that you can address before calling yourself a prenatal therapist. You can offer sessions for a discount or for free to friends and family and treat them as prenatal 
clients right. or find prenatal clients in your community and offer them free sessions until yeah. you feel comfortable and then you can charge. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I would say. Whenever I feel funny about some technique or whatever, I get a couple friends to come in. Let me try this on you. Let me figure this out. And, you know, within a few sessions, it's like your confidence, skill, totally fine to start offering it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming in. I want to uh, give our listeners an opportunity to get a hold of you if they want to ever see you for a massage or have any questions for you. Um, What's the best way for them to get in touch? The best way to reach me is through my website, which is katiesutherland.com. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, until next time. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you were able to find some valuable nuggets in this conversation. Please join us again. And if you have any questions or comments, or you want to learn more about today's guest, you can find more information through our website at howsthepressure.com. Until next time, be well and take care of yourselves.